guys good morning happy new year all right this is a this is gonna be a real test let's see who uh, let's see who the folks are who uh who stayed up too late last night actually the truth is i was one of them <clears throat> i but i i didn't stay up for for new year's i stayed up for that football game i don't know if anybody watched that georgia game but it was crazy good good game all right. I got a little bit of a different background here. I mean, I'm I'm never really happy with the way that these things turn out. Like you can see my chair kind of looks fuzzy in the background, but uh, I've kind of got this ugly green screen over here to my side. And uh, I don't know. I think it might be one of my uh, one of my tasks for today. One of my jobs is to uh, get this room uh, kind of cleaned up a little bit and uh, maybe looking a little bit more presentable. Not that it really matters that much because we're all here for content, right? But good morning. Uh, I don't know who's on right now. Uh, I see a few folks on. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw the chat overlay up here. If you guys would like to, uh, you know, I think you guys know the rules, right? This is a this is pretty much a free for all. So you're welcome to uh, throw anything out there in the chat that you like. And... Um, let me make sure I'm all set up here. You know, I had this great intention this morning of uh, really having this thing like super ready to go, but I just went over and over and over in my head about what I wanted to talk about this morning. I've been kind of agonizing over it for the past couple of days. And uh, I think what what I ended up kind of resolving or, or coming to, the decision I came to was to go ahead and just continue with the... Uh, not last week, because last week we didn't have a call, but the week before that, um, we were talking about trust. We've been talking about using trust in uh, in our real estate business businesses, and uh, so I think that's the I think that's the I think that's what I'm continue doing uh, is just continue down that path because uh, I really have this kind of this big vision about. It's, it's never going to be achievable. I know this, uh, but I would really love to see people just uh, start using these trusts in their, in their real estate businesses and um, uh, really just making it a part of their uh, part of their process because these things are just so flexible and, and uh, uh, you know, you can do a lot with these things and they provide a ton of benefits. So anyway, there he is. There's Miguel. There's Old Faithful. Good morning, Miguel. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to continue down this path, um, down this path with these trusts, and um, maybe we'll just kind of recap a little bit before we get started. Um, so, uh, real quickly, let's just do this. I'm going off the top of my head here, so I don't really have notes on this because what I want to do is actually I'm going to bring up bring up a a copy of. Um, the trust that we use and just kind of go through it. It's not going to be super in depth, but just so you can kind of see, and we'll, we'll just go through each little section of the trust and kind of explain, um, explain some of the, some of the provisions and some of the, the rules and things like that. Uh, but let's go back a couple of weeks. 
Hey, good morning, Scott. Good to see you. So let's go back a couple of weeks, uh, three, four weeks maybe. Um, and let's talk about, first we, first we got to talk about the type of trust that we're using. So, uh, you know, we've talked, talked before about land trusts. And essentially, that's what this is. That's what that's what we use, or they're, they're they are title holding, um, and I'm stealing that term from somebody else, um, but I, I do like the term title holding trusts. So they are essentially land trusts, except that land trusts are only valid in six states in the United States. So uh, chances are very slim that you live in one of those states that a land trust is a uh, there's actually statute, statutes on the books for uh, for land trust. So what we do essentially is we create a, uh, a revocable style, grantor style trust. Okay, but that trust is laid out. It looks eerily similar to a land trust, the provisions in, in that trust. So really the only assets inside that trust are going to be, um, is going to be real estate. You can put other assets into it, but it's really just there for holding holding real estate. I recently, uh, uh, I had a title company, tried to close on a deal, I think it was last week. And yeah, it was last week. So I tried to close on this deal last week and uh, it was kind of one of these, I call them, I call them cookie cutter or, um, you know, kind of strip mall, strip mall types of, types of uh, title companies. And, you know, they're really just used to, they're really just used to seeing kind of your average retail um, uh, customer come through there. They, they're not really used to working with investors. And I kind of, I acquiesced a little bit. And um, since this was already, it was a deal that was brought to me by a wholesaler. But since this deal was already uh, almost closed, it was just, they were, you know, I had, I think the wholesaler brought me in with like a week left on this thing. Um, I kind of acquiesced and I said, okay, I'll just, we'll see how this goes with your title company, which, you know, if you've, if you've been watching or been listening at all, you know, I will, I will preach to the, to the choir here. Uh, I will tell you to always, always, always use your title company. And this is yet an, and I, I, uh, I broke that, I broke my own rule, uh, once again. So, I mean, and it's proven to be, it's proven to be that, uh, that, you know, that rule needs to be followed and adhered to, um, on every single closing. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter what your seller or who your seller is using to close that deal for them. You have got to use your own title company. I mean, it has just been, uh, this past week, I should have closed on that on Friday or I'm sorry, Thursday or Friday. Um, I think it was, I think it was actually Thursday. Uh, anyway, I'm getting my dates mixed up, but again, title company messed it up. They screwed it up and, um, it's because they don't know how to deal with trusts or, or this particular type of trust. I I've, I've done this, I've used this trust agreement literally probably a hundred times. And, uh, this is the first, um, this is the first time that we weren't able to close a deal because of the use of the trust. So anyway, we set up our trusts as revocable trusts and, um, and we hold property in a revocable trust. That's just how we do it. Uh, works out really, really well. I'm able to get a title policy, no problem. Uh, so 
Um, I'm actually going to bring, I'll bring up a cut. Like I said, I bring up a copy of what we use. Um, then I think the next week, I think we had a week there where we missed, but the week after uh, the week after the one we missed, we talked about the, uh, the roles in a trust. So we have our trustee, we have our beneficiaries, uh, we have our, uh, sometimes a director. And so that leads us into this week. And what I'm going to do is go ahead and share my screen. Now, guys, I'm kind of going off the cuff here. I don't have this document completely memorized. You know, it's just not what I do. I don't sit around and, and memorize documents. But um, this, the one that I'm going to show you is the one that uh, is the same trust that uh, our students use, that we that we hand out to our students. And I think um, it's a, it's a well-written, very thorough uh, very thorough document. And so I am not an attorney. Uh, I think we've all established that. Uh, so this is not uh, to be construed as legal advice or anything like that. But uh, nevertheless, this, uh, this particular trust was created by our attorney. <clears throat> and then we've, <clears throat> excuse me, and then we have kind of gone in and uh, added and removed, added or removed some things that we either did or did not like. So let me go ahead and do that. Let me bring this up here. Let's see, let's make sure I've got the right one. There we go. Let's do a window. Okay, let's, oh, there, there we go. All right, I'm gonna remove myself.
I did not know that. Oh, yeah, you're right, Scott. Holy cow. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I have to stay here. Uh, all right. Sorry about that, man. Sorry about that, guys. Let me go over this one more time real quick, okay? Uh, I don't know where I left off, so I'm just going to kind of summarize what I was just speaking into the mic about uh, without an audience. Uh, so essentially, this is the, the trust that we use. Um, the cool thing about this trust or about any trust or any agreement is that you are able to um, you are able to edit this agreement. Thanks, man. Loud and clear. Good, good to go. You are able to edit this or really any agreement. And again, I am not attorney. I am not an attorney. Uh, please don't misconstrue this as legal advice or anything like that. Uh, I'm just I'm just basing this off of experience and the things that we've uh, things that we've done. But the cool thing about this particular trust agreement or really any one of them is that you can um, you can go in and edit this this agreement and and really um, base those edits upon the the the, uh, the requirements that you have. So let's say, for example, that you have uh, you have a couple of beneficiaries in this trust, but you want to assign certain um, certain requirements or certain certain role to one of those beneficiaries. Let's say it might be that beneficiary is responsible for, I don't know, for, for making payments on a subject to deal. You can assign that role inside of this agreement. Okay. So don't think that you are stuck with this, with this template that, um, that is real rigid and, uh, you know, and, and it's something that you can't, uh, that you can't go in and amend or, or, or edit and kind of mold to what you need. Uh, that's the whole idea behind this. This is a private agreement. Um, so really, you can lay out all the terms that you would like to lay out uh, inside this trust. I would still recommend that if you're going to do that, I would I would, I would, want to make sure that you are in compliance with the law. Um, but I had uh, my attorney, uh, the attorney that actually helped write this, the initial, the initial one of these, because this has been gone through a few times. Uh, but he explained to me that, that the law is more about intention than it is anything else. Uh, it's open to interpretation, but the law is more about, you know, if you're standing in a, in a courtroom, if you're uh, standing in front of a judge, the law is more about the intention of the agreement than it is, um, than it is the actual, um, uh, verbiage or, or wording of the agreement. So it's trying to establish what it is that you're trying to accomplish. And, and, uh, if there's a, any kind of, uh, mix up or anything like that, it's going to be, well, what was the intention of this party? What was the intention of this party? Okay. So it's that type of thing. That being said though, these things are super, super flexible. And, um, you know, Again, I'm going to say this one more time. I highly recommend that if you, on any of your agreements, uh, in fact, uh, this closing that I just uh, that I just kind of was explaining about a little bit ago, the one that has uh, been been uh, postponed. I'll just say it's been postponed because I'm still going to buy that property. Um, you know, these folks just did not understand uh, 
the intention of this of this particular trust that we're using and it's unfortunate but you know you're going to have that that's that's one of the issues with using a trust all right because they're not uh, they're not super common when it comes to usually usually a trust is put into play in estate planning where uh, where you know you have a, a you know a married couple or you know anybody can put a property into a trust <clears throat> and then but they usually do that for estate planning purposes this is not that purpose this is more geared although it can be used as that uh, this is more geared towards just holding title in a trust and having all the benefits of of, uh, of using a trust so uh, so they were really used to uh uh, they weren't used to seeing what what it is that that we do and how we use these trusts. All right, so <clears throat> real quickly, let's just uh, let's go ahead and go through this thing. Like I said, I'm not going to deep deep dive into each one of these provisions in this trust because this thing is 13 pages long, and uh, we would be here all day. Okay, but I just want to give you kind of a a rundown about how this document is set up and um, uh, give you some some of the major. Um, Kind of some of the major pointers on each one of these uh, each one of these provisions in this trust. All right. Okay. Declaration of trust and trust agreement. So uh, again, this is a grantor style trust, meaning that uh, somebody creates this and uh, and grants. Uh, so the seller in most cases would be the grantor. There would be they would be the uh, creator, but however. We've actually, it depends on, depends on whether or not um, you're like, you're taking this property subject to, or if you're just buying a property and you, maybe you're going to own it outright, uh, you can put it, you can be the grantor or the creator of the trust. Okay. So uh, right off the bat, very top sentence here, this trust agreement dated such and such date. Uh, this is important because if you don't have a date on your trust, there might be other trusts out there that are named exactly the same thing as your trust could be. Um, you could have more than more than one trust, obviously. So, uh, you know, we have a few hundred million people in this country that have the same names. So it's very important to to date your trust. This also is going to tell your title company the effective date of that trust. Right, so the the date the trust was created and the day it was uh, that it became um, that it was ratified and it was enforced. Right, so uh, so it's, it's it is important to put the date on there. And in fact, um, in your recordings with your with the county, um, they're going to ask you for this date. So uh, it's very important to have that date. And then, of course, you're going to put the trust name. Uh, this trust agreement dated, let's say it's January. Today's January first, so. This trust agreement dated January 1st, 2023, known as the, and then this is just like an LLC, you can name this trust literally anything that you'd like. It can be, um, you know, it can be anything. It could be ABC, one, two, three, revocable trust. It can be, it can be anything. What we do is we name them one of two things. We will name them either the name of the seller. So, uh, so John Smith revocable trust, or we will name him the, the property address. So one, two, three main street revocable trust, right? It doesn't matter what you name it. My advice is that you name it either one of those two things, because, uh, 
this is going to be, this is what's going to show up in public record. Okay. So let's say that we are, uh, we're buying something subject to, and, um, and we're going to buy this property in the trust. So it's going to, the deed's going to be transferred into the trust. Well, this is kind of that, um, little bit of that smoke and mirrors that we talk about. We've talked about before. We want to name it something. So that's not going to be a red flag to the lender, particularly on a subject to deal. Okay. So, um, not that, not that this would, uh, invoke a, a do on sale situation, but there's no reason to put up a red flag and, and kind of, you know, raise your hand and say here, I, you know, I, I bought this subject too. So we name it either, either the street name or we name it the, the seller's name. Okay. 90% of the time we're going to do the street name. That's just what we do. So anyway, moving on. Okay. This one is important. So we've got the trust agreement dated this date. This is the trust name form for the purpose of holding certain real property here under for the benefit of the below named beneficiaries. This is to certify that we're looking for the, uh, the trustee name here. And <clears throat> As we've said before, uh, kind of, I think we did that week before last, the trustee can literally be anybody that you choose. Uh, it depends on whether you choose an individual or a corporate trustee is really going to depend upon probably it's going to have more to do with how many of these properties you have in trust, how many properties you actually have in your portfolio. So it might make sense for you if you have a, a large amount of properties in a portfolio and you want to designate one trustee for all of those all of those trusts. Um, it might make more sense for you to buy for you to go out and get a, a corporate trustee. It might be easier, might be simpler. For us, we generally deal. Uh, uh, we're dealing locally for the most part. Um, maybe not all the time, but but ninety five percent of everything we do is done locally and. I like to have an individual listed as the trustee. And I like to do that because uh, when we're dealing with, let's say we're going to deal with, um, well, in fact, we, we know we will. We're going to be dealing with escrow accounts, bank accounts. And it's much easier for us to, it's much easier for an individual to go out and deal with, say, insurance. It's much easier for an individual individual to go out and deal with a bank than it is a corporation or a, or a company. Um, that being said, um, once you do have this trust established and once, uh, or maybe you have multiple trusts established and you're going to deal, you know, the longer you own that or the longer that trust owns that property, the less, um, the less kind of, uh, these, these weird occurrences like dealing with, escrow accounts and things like that, the less you're going to have to deal with that. So it might just be wise for you to, to go out and hire a corporate trustee. It's totally up to you. I personally, uh, I like to name a, a, an individual as the trustee and I all, and then also we have a successor trustee as well. Okay. All right. <clears throat> and then, um, so this is just going to be the name of the trustee. Let me make sure there's no questions here. Anybody got questions about that? Okay. Yeah. And the chances are, if you ever did have to foreclose on a, on a property, let's say you turn around and sell or finance this property out. If you ever did have to foreclose on, uh, on someone, you're probably going to hire a corporate trustee to see that foreclosure through. So, 
uh, again, totally, totally up to you, which, which one you want to use. Uh, that trustee is duly authorized to accept and execute trust within the state of whatever state that you're in or whatever state the property's in. Uh, see, because um, there are different rules for for that role as trustee in different states. So I would just make sure that whoever you uh, whoever you either appoint or hire as trustee uh, is a um, is a resident of that state. Okay, so whether that's cor a corporate trustee or whether that is a, an individual. All right. Okay, let's skip down here. Um, this is where the agreement actually begins. So uh, this is where we're actually going to be deeding the property. So we deed the property into the trust. This is the trust. Um, it, um, this is the description of the real property that's actually being deeded uh, into the trust. Okay, so this is the real property description. Um, so we have a insert parcel number here. So you might have a tax ID in your county. You might have a parcel number assigned. We deal with parcel numbers. Uh, so this is where we would throw that. We throw the full property address in up here. Uh, this one is, uh, is pretty important. Uh, you're going to use the full legal description, not the little short legal, not the little short description that you're going to find on the county website. Uh, there is a, um, there are a few services out there where you can actually get this full legal description. And if you can't find it, your title company or your closing attorney can find that for you. Uh, I use a service called Fiddler Tapestry here locally. They only operate in a handful of states, but my state happens to be one of them. So I'll go out and I'll pay the $6 or whatever it is to, uh, to find the actual full legal description um, so that I, uh, when I show up to closing, I don't have to worry about this and, and bother my, uh, bother my closing attorney with it. So, uh, but they, uh, I'm sorry, my closing company. So, but full legal description is going to be required. And then in section two here, let's make sure we've got no questions. Pretty sure that's Jonathan there. I can't see you. Uh, but yeah, so who do you use as a trustee? Um, so nine times out of 10, the way that I set mine up, it depends on, it's going to depend upon the property. Um, but nine times out of 10, I will actually act as the trustee. Uh, and then my companies are the, uh, my, my company is one of the beneficiaries or has full beneficial interest. All right. Those are two separate entities and that's important. It's important to have, it's important that you don't list the trustee that the, that the trustee that you choose is not also the sole beneficiary of that trust. That is important. Um, that is, um, that would be in the, in the eyes of the court, that would be considered, considered a sham trust. Okay. There is, um, and now it's not a sham trust. If you have the, if you are the trustee, your company is one of the beneficiaries and you have another beneficiary that is not a, that would not be considered a sham trust because you're sharing beneficial ownership there. Um, and then the next question is also, there is a cost for trust admin. There can be, if you hire a, if you hire a corporate trustee, almost always you're going to pay uh, an annual fee for them to be your trustee. All right. We've even listed our kind of one of the, one of the, one of the more natural, 
what we discovered was kind of one of the one of the uh, one of the more natural um, entities to appoint as a trustee is your is your closing company, or if you have a closing attorney, um, you know they can also stand in as a. Now I wouldn't list them without letting them know that, right? <laughs> that would be silly, uh, but. Talk to your closing company. They may be able to, uh, they may be willing to stand in, especially if you're going to be doing business there. It's just a natural, it's kind of a natural role for them. So uh, that's one of the things that we do as well. Uh, and they don't charge us for that. Uh, they charge us in other ways because we do deals through them. But, uh, you know, that's the type of relationship you need to have with a closing company. All right. So hope that answers your question. All right. Trustee duties. Uh, I'm not going to go through this, but essentially, you know, when you deed a property into a trust, the trustee is the is the individual or the um, or the entity that actually takes title to that property. So you no longer own that property. Your LLC no longer owns that property. The trustee owns the property. You have what is known as beneficial ownership. Beneficial ownership is uh, is is a personal type of ownership, meaning, uh, and we talked about this a little bit before, so I'll just uh, quickly uh, quickly reiterate. Beneficial ownership is uh, is is not considered. So, if you have an asset in a trust, you do not own that asset. You just simply own beneficial interest in that in that trust or in the assets in that trust. So it is a uh, it's personal ownership versus uh, versus entity ownership, if that makes sense. I'm, I'm having a tough way of explaining that, but um, I'm trying to find a tough way. Listen to me. I'm having a tough tough time even talking right now. Um, but beneficial ownership is on a personal basis. So uh, so the LLC or multiple LLCs um, are looked at not as corporate owners of anything in the trust, they own, they own something personal, which is the beneficial interest of that trust. All right. So, so the trustee is able to, um, they can go through basically, and they can do, they can, they have all of these rights and privileges, right? Like you see, um, let's go through here. Um, the trustee here under shall have and here and is hereby granted full power and authority to purchase, improve, subdivide, manage, and protect said real estate or any part thereof, to dedicate parks, streets, highways. All of the we we're giving this trustee all of these duties, all of these rights and privileges of owning this property. Okay, so on the surface that looks like, well, man, don't I have to? Uh, wouldn't I want to appoint a trustee that um, you know that I would really. Who, what if I appoint a trustee who's gonna who wants to sell the property? Well, we're gonna get into that. A trustee cannot act on his or her or its own. Okay, so let's jump down here to the uh, to the next provision. But again, this is nothing more than all the rights and privileges that a trustee has as a trustee of your trust. All right. Okay, section three here, we're going to designate the beneficiaries. Who are our beneficiaries? We always recommend, uh, particularly in these in these title holding trusts that you have your, you list your LLC, or if you're going to have a partner on a deal or something like that, list more than one LLC as the beneficiary. 
Um, it's just, uh, so this is where the liability protection comes in because a trust can be sued all day long. It's not a problem to sue a trust. It's not a problem for, um, for an attorney to go out and petition the court to, um, to force you to uh, send in your trust documents. They're going to find out who the beneficiaries are. If those beneficiaries that are listed there are you personally or you and your partner personally, guess what? You have now opened yourself up to, uh, to legal action. Okay. So, so we recommend you use an LLC, a properly run LLC, not just some kind of sham LLC, but it's gotta be properly run. Okay. Just like you would, um, just like you would any other, any other LLC. Okay. Any questions about the beneficiaries? This is just the naming of the beneficiaries. That's all we're talking about in section three here. And combined, they have to equal 100% of the beneficial ownership. Okay. So here we go. Uh, section four, beneficial interest as personal property. The interest of any beneficiaries hereunder and of any person who becomes entitled to any interest under this trust shall consist solely to manage and or control said trust property. All right, so this is personal property. Beneficial ownership is personal property. It's personal in nature. Uh, the, the great thing about being a beneficial owner is you still, you are still going to realize and you're still gonna benefit from, uh, from anything that, that um, let's, let's say rents, you know, you're gonna collect rents. Well, the beneficiaries are, they are the beneficiaries of, they're going to be receiving those rents. The trust itself does not have to receive those rents. So I can tell you right now, all of, none of our trusts actually have tax ID numbers, none of them, because we don't have, um, uh, we don't have bank accounts for our trusts. Um, and we don't, you know, we don't file tax, that our trusts do not file taxes. This is simply a pass through. All right. And, and this is actually where we lay this out. This is where, uh, this is where those, um, those agreements come into play is inside the trust. The trust is going to explain and the trust is going to lay out who is responsible for the taxes. The trust is going to lay out um, the fact that the trust does not pay taxes. The trust does not get a tax ID number. It's all inside the trust. Okay. The trust agreement. But uh, section four here. Um, kind of lays out that beneficial interest is personal property in nature. All right. Section five, let's make sure we have no questions here. Absolutely. So property run LLC. I'm not sure what you mean um, when you say, oh, properly run LLC. Yes, I, I said property. Sorry about that. Uh, properly, run, properly run LLC. You mean it should have an operating agreement? Absolutely. It should have an operating agreement. It should have uh, uh, separation from separation of uh, personal and business assets. It should have its own bank account. It should have, you know, and, and quite honestly, I, um, you know, I've heard I've heard other folks talk about uh, the, one of the big questions was how many LLC, LLC sh you should you have, and the response. Uh, kind of one of the, one of the folks I was, I was watching, uh, said as many as you can handle. And I, I totally disagree with that. I, uh, LLCs, I mean, you're going to have to, 
for me, it's about simplification. It's about ease of management and not having to deal with the headaches of, um, you know, of managing multiple LLCs. So I, I, I have, I own five LLCs right now, and not all of them are beneficiaries in trust. Uh, only two of them are, but, um, but yes, those LLCs are not, you know, uh, those are not like sham LLCs or anything. Those are actually, those are, those are properly run. Uh, we have, um, uh, we have annual dues, we have registered agents, we have uh, annual meetings, the whole nine yards. Okay. Uh, that's why I think it's more important to use a strategy because think about what I just said. You have annual meetings, you have all these fees and dues. Why would you want to manage all that? Or, or maybe you, maybe you can hire it out. Maybe it's not a problem for you, but for me, it is much simpler to have one or two LLCs that hold beneficial ownership in these trusts. Right. So yes, all of them have to have an operating agreement for sure. All right. So we have assignment of beneficial interest. This gives us our, um, uh, this, get, this is our provision for being able to have for each individual beneficial owner to assign their, their interest. So if, uh, if I bring a partner and if I bring a money partner in and I say, Hey, I'll give you, I don't know, 30% of this, of beneficial ownership in this trust. Um, with the, with the, uh, written guarantee that you have the ability to sell your, your beneficial interest at any time. I, I do tell my money partners that if you bring in, I don't know, maybe you're going to bring in 25 uh, K or something like that. I say, okay, you now own X amount of beneficial interest in this trust. Let's say it's, I don't know, let's say it's 30%. Well, you can now go out and sell. If you want to, if you want to cash out, you want to get your twenty-five k out. You can go out and sell your beneficial interest in that trust, get your twenty-five k back. You can even sell it. You can even sell it for more if you like. So it is a. It's kind of a beneficial ownership is kind of a marketable. How do I want to compare this? It would be kind of a a. You know, if my if my money partner put in 25 K, but they sold their beneficial ownership to somebody else for 30 K. Well, they get to keep that extra five K, right? That's totally up to them. It's a marketable, um, it's a marketable interest in the, in the trust. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. All right. Death of beneficiary. So here's what we're, this is, it's always super, super important. Um, it's always super important to name a successor, whether that be a trustee or a beneficiary. Very important. Something happens to you, um, you need to. Um, it would be wise for you to have a backup plan, right? Otherwise, this thing gets tangled up in this in all these legal matters. And so, we have a provision in ours for uh, uh, for who our successor is going to be, right? So usually, my it can be a family member, it can be, um, you know, it can be a partner, it can be another LLC, whoever you want to name as the successor. Give me one second, guys. All right. The trust director, we talked a little bit about this in a previous video. I'm not going to go into detail with this and give you examples, you know, because we you'll have to go back and watch the other video. Uh, but the trust director is not always used. Uh, there are certain there are certain situations where a director um, 
where it makes sense to use a, a director. But all a, all a director really does is removes those uh, removes the decision making powers and capabilities of the beneficiaries, puts it in the hands of the director. So uh, one of the scenarios that I gave you, I think previously was uh, me essentially selling off, you know, I sold off 80% of my beneficial interest in this trust to a house flipper, right? I, I, as I, I held on to the remaining 20% of that beneficial interest, but I made my house flipper responsible. And this would happen to be a subject to deal. I made him responsible for making the payments, for carrying the hazard insurance, all that good stuff. If at any time that, um, that flipper stopped making those payments or they didn't maintain insurance, I could then as trust director, I could remove them as a beneficiary and reassign someone else as a beneficiary. Okay. So that's, it's kind of the role of a, of a trust director. They remove the, um, those decision-making capabilities from the beneficiaries and they direct the trustee on what to do with the property versus the beneficiaries. All right. It's kind of an intermediary not used all the time. It's, um, it's kind of, it's actually kind of rarely used to be honest with you. <clears throat> uh, purchasers shall not be the, uh, the duty nor the privilege of any purchaser of the assets or any part thereof held by the trustee of this trust to see to the application of the purchase money paid therefore, nor shall anyone who may deal with the trustee be required or privileged to inquire into the necessity or expediency of any trustee or as to any provisions of this trust agreement. Um, that is legal mumbo jumble for, um, uh, this is kind of, a, um, this is, this would be, uh, kind of, it would kind of ride along those, um, anonymity benefits of the trust, meaning the trustee does not have to disclose any kind of, uh, any kind of the costs or expenses or anything like that. Um, as it relates to the trust. Okay. Mostly beneficiaries. Termination of trust by the trustee. Um, generally speaking, if this is not, uh, if this is not laid out in your trust, uh, you know, and it's not apparent, most trust lasts for 20 years or is due 25. That's really all this is. Uh, and then the trustee will terminate the trust or they can do it before then at the direction of the beneficiaries or the director. Is this, uh, is this all clear as mud to everybody? I hope, uh, I hope this is, uh, hope this is helping, but <laughs> some of this stuff, it gets, that's why I didn't want to get into the weeds on it. Cause some of this stuff can get uh, kind of mundane. All right. Limitation on beneficiaries. Uh, no beneficiary shall have the authority to contract for, or in the name of the trustee. So, uh, if I don't know if the house needs repairs and you go out and sign a contract with a um, with a contractor, you cannot do it in the name of the trustee. Limitation of the trustee's liability number eleven here. Again, your trustee is only holding title. That is that is their sole job. Okay, uh, I kind of like to put it as the trustee is kind of like the uh, they sign all the paperwork. You know, they take direction from the beneficiaries, sometimes the director. Um, and so you cannot hold them liable for decisions that the beneficiary makes. All right. Section 12. Trustee non-involvement in the transaction. All right. The trustee has no, um, the trustee literally just takes direction. 
right? So they do what the beneficiaries tell them to do. They have no, not only do they, not only do they not have the ability to make those decisions, um, but they are also not held liable for the decisions made by the beneficiary. So, uh, so a trustee is going to show up for closing. It's going to, their, their signature is going to be required. Uh, but when they're talking about non-involvement, they're talking about they're talking about managing the property, essentially. All right. Uh, notification of claims: um, the trustee receives all notifications of, of any claims and then passes them through to the beneficiaries or the, or the director. Uh, indemnification: we do not hold the uh, we indemnify the, the the trustee because the trustee is directing on our behalf. We cannot hold them accountable. That's that's more of that language. Uh, excuse me. Warranty. Um, this one I'm not a hundred percent. Let's see. Warrant. Sorry, guys. I, like I said, I don't have this thing fully memorized. Uh, the beneficiaries warrant that the trust was not established nor is being maintained for any illegal or criminal purposes. All right. So this is the trustee's guarantee that you're. Uh, you're on the up and up. The purpose of the trust seems like that would be uh, that should be listed way, way, way above uh, where it is. It's at number 16. Uh, but the purpose of it is for holding holding property. That's it. Right. Uh, number 17, limitation on limitations on the trust agreement. Really not going to get into that, but. Um, I don't know why this mentions a Massachusetts trust here. I think it's probably one of those things that we uh, that we had thrown in there. It's probably copied from something else. But uh, taxes, here we go. Number eighteen, taxes. Uh, this is giving your this. What this is saying is that your trustee is not required to file any income, profit, or other taxes or report schedules. This is solely the uh, responsibility of the beneficiaries. So. When you when you select your trustee, and they're asking, well, what, you know, what are my what are my roles here? What do I have to do? Because it does sound kind of like a, a, a you know, it sounds kind of like a big deal. You can say, hey, you don't have to do anything. You just take direction from me. When I'm ready to sell this thing, I'll let you know. You know, essentially, that's uh, that's the that is the limitation of their involvement in this deal. All right. Any questions here? All right. Okay. Replacement of the trustee. There are a few, um, there are a few ways that you can replace a trustee. One is through resignation. They can remove themselves and then you can, the beneficiaries or the director get, gets to, uh, reappoint a new trustee. The trustee can appoint, um, can also, can also appoint a, a, a successor trustee. However, that's got to be, um, approved by the beneficiaries or the director. I'm going to stop talking about the director. Just understand that the director can make those decisions too if there was if there is one appointed. So replacement of trustee, you can do that through resignation. If your trustee is not living up to their duties and their expectations, you can terminate or replace a trustee. All right. So uh, totally doable. By the way, I know we've talked before about a revocable versus irrevocable trust. All of this stuff that I'm reading to you, all the stuff that we're talking about, takes an act of God to change in an irrevocable trust. If it went to court, uh, a lot of this stuff 
would not be, you could not change this on a whim like you can with a revocable trust. A revocable trust, you can, uh, revocable trust, you can absolutely make all these changes. An irrevocable one, very hard to do. All right. So first one is the resignation. <clears throat> Second one is replacement or termination. And of course, the last one is the death of the trustee. All right. Okie doke. Um, let's see. Trustee compensation. Here's where you can choose whether or not you compensate your, your trustee. Um, this is why I kind of like using a, a, a personal, an individual as my trustee, especially if it's a, a really good trusted friend or something like that. Um, cause I don't, I don't generally compensate them. You know, I might pay them something at closing just for doing it. Um, uh, but it's usually kind of a, a minimal amount. Okay. The spendthrift provision. Um, <clears throat> first I'm going to tell you, uh, I learned about this through the creation of my own, through estate planning of, of my own trust. And when I read it, I thought, wow, this could really make sense to put into our revocable, I'm going to say in air quotes, land trust. The spendthrift provision, um, what it does is it prevents any of the beneficiaries from encumbering this property with liens or, or anything else that would, um, that would leverage this property and benefit the beneficiary. Okay. So let me kind of explain. <clears throat> I'll give you, an, I'll give you an example. Let's say this is a very important provision, by the way, I think it's super, super important. And you may or may not use this it just depends. A situation where you would use this would be, let's say that, um, let's say that I'm bringing on a partner, which I commonly do. Uh, I'm bringing on a partner and that partner takes beneficial owners. They take, they take 49% beneficial ownership. All right. That partner without this provision can go out and uh, possibly borrow leverage their beneficial ownership and encumber this property. They can do that. It, with this provision, with a spendthrift provision inside your inside your trust, it prevents them from doing that. And even if they did do that, kind of uh, maybe fraudulently, with this provision included, it would never be enforceable. Whoever had, whoever held that lien, whoever held that um, that encumbrance, would never be able to collect from this trust with this provision in it. All right. Um, let's see. I hope that makes sense. All right. Anybody have any questions about that? That's what a spendthrift. There's actually, um, there's actually these things called a spendthrift trust that kind of um, that revolves around that concept, right? Um, so this is where. But let me let me go back. Conversely, on the other side of the coin, if I am the sole beneficiary of a trust, and I want to pull, you know, I want to take a, I don't know, I want to take a private loan out against the asset in that trust. I can absolutely do that. I can 100% do that. And so in that case, I wouldn't have this provision in my trust. If I thought that maybe in the future, I was going to need to pull some, uh, you know, encumber that property in any way, use it as leverage for maybe another deal or something like that. All right. So it, 
this is one of those optional provisions. It doesn't have to be in there. Um, if you're going to have a partner, if you're going to sell a portion of your beneficial ownership, I would highly recommend that you have this in there and make sure that's understood by your partner. All right. Any questions on spendthrift? I think it's a big, I think it's a big, big deal. All right. Recording. Uh, trusts don't get recorded. All right. Unless there's, um, a lot of times what you'll have when you go to record a, a trust at the county level, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, when you're going to deed a property into a trust at the county level, they're going to, they're going to actually have a separate, um, it's going to be a separate form where you, it's a declaration of trust that you're going to file, where it's just going to list the, uh, the trust name, who the trustee is and how to contact the trustee. Right? A lot of states do require that, but this document in particular never gets recorded. It is as a private document. It goes into your filing cabinet and that's it. All right. Uh, privacy and disclosure, all the parties, basically, uh, I'm going to summarize this paragraph, all the, all the, all the parties, the current parties and all future parties, uh, agree that this is all, this is a private, um, private document. It's not to be disclosed to anyone without the consent of the beneficiaries. All right. Trust proceeds. Um, this is where we talk about rents. We talk about the sale of a property. All the trust proceeds go to the beneficiaries. All right. Partition. This is an important one as well. Uh, if if any of you have ever been uh, party to a um, to a probate deal with you when you have a lot of uh, you have multiple heirs, uh, maybe those the heirs of that property uh, of the decedent they maybe they don't have they're not in agreement on selling the property or how they're going to sell the property or how they're going to uh, split the funds up. You know, this is, this is really common in when you have people that don't have a will. And so what the courts will do is they will partition that property, right? So you can sell uh, per a, a part, if you're, if it's partitioned, you can sell your portion of that property to somebody else. Okay. What this is saying is we do not allow partition. There is a, a partition is not a remedy available to anyone, meaning the beneficiaries. All right. All right. More legal stuff, parties bound. Um, all the parties agree to these covenants um, and agreements, paragraph titles. This is more kind of um, uh, uh, it's kind of mundane, mundane details, but um, this is a, this is a big one here. Governing law number 28, where you choose, where, I just always recommend that if you're going to create one of these trusts and you are, uh, if you're not in a state that allows land trust, in fact, I probably, even in the states that do allow, uh, do have statutes for land trust, I probably still wouldn't create a land trust. Um, I just, I just go through with this, but, um, it says, although the real property here is located in the state of say it's Missouri. This declaration of trust shall be governed under the provisions of the trust laws in the state of, this says Illinois. Now, <clears throat> that is, now this provision, what I just read to you, is only useful if you are, if this is a land trust, if this is a true land trust. Otherwise, this, this completely comes out of here. Okay. And again, sorry guys, this is just a template, but this will come out. This, so if it's a revocable trust, Real, it's going to say real property here and is located in the state of Missouri. 
and shall be governed under the provisions of the trust laws of the state of Missouri. All right, so this is, um, I know this looks a little misleading, um, but I personally don't create pure land trusts. Uh, I've had a problem with title companies actually insuring those. So uh, so we just do a revocable trust. So that's essentially uh, governing law where I would just recommend, again, um, the governing law would be the state that you're in and um, you know the property is located in that state. Just go ahead and make the um, make the trust govern under that state. All right. Uh, severability, um, the invalidity of any portion of the trust will not be deemed to affect the validity of any other provision. Uh, that's pretty pretty standard. Uh, counterparts. Again, I don't really know what that means 100% because I'm not an attorney, but uh, this trust agreement and any documents related to it may be signed in one or more counterparts. Okay, so multiple people. Um, uh, it can be the same trust can be signed multiple people, even if we have um, uh, even if we have let's say we have people spread out, and each one of them wants to sign a different document. It's all deemed to be the original document. Property title, uh, if permissible in the state, title shall be held in the name of its trust, in the name of the trust. Uh, this is the trust agreement in its entirety. And then any notices. And then we have our signatures page. So we have each individual's, uh, each beneficiary has a signature page. We also have, we also go ahead and have our trustee have their, their signature notarized as well. It's not 100% necessary. 90% um, of the time, it's only required that the beneficiaries have their signatures notarized and then the trustee uh, would accept, would accept that assignment and it just would require their signature. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, that signature doesn't have to be notarized. Uh, we go ahead and, and include it in here as well because you know we want to be as above board as possible and then we have um uh, this is the exhibit a which is essentially just the uh the legal description if if that legal description happens to be too long or too wordy uh, we'll just put it in an exhibit a all right then we have a couple of other things down here this is our um uh, and in, in some cases, we at closing, we will assign a new successor trustee right at closing. And, uh, and then we have the appointment of the trust director, uh, that position we talked about a little bit earlier. But that's, uh, I, that's basically it, guys. I mean, I know this is like, <laughs> yeah, no, I need, says, uh, I think John says, did you mean Missouri? It's actually, uh, it's actually pretty accurate, John, but, um, yeah. Or you, uh, the other one is, uh, misery, misery, especially in the winter time. I don't know though. Our summers can get brutal here, but okay, guys, does anyone have any questions about, about the trust? I know that there's a lot of, uh, uh, boring kind of mundane stuff here. Um, but now I think hopefully you guys have an idea about um, what one of our trusts looks like and um, hopefully hopefully it can be useful to you. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to 
I'm going to give you guys a copy of a trust. It's not going to be this one. Um, cause this one is, um, this is one for our students, but I'm going to give you a copy of a trust. I'll put it, throw it in the comments here. And it basically, the, the, the one I'm going to give you a copy of is kind of, um, it's an older one that we used to use, but it's still very, very, it's very well written. It is very well written. And I want you guys to uh, take a look at that. There's the Google Drive link. It's in the chat. And um, take a look at that and get familiar with it. It has a lot of the same types of provisions that this one does. Um, and I think it would be a really good study for you. Because uh, honestly, I, I just, I have a, I just have, I, I, just, I have taken a liking to, to using trust so much that uh, it's very hard for me to, to buy a property any other way anymore. And, you know, like I've talked about the major, major benefit. One of the major benefits of these trusts is once you understand them, they are incredibly, I mean, you don't have, you're not, you're not. For me, it was not having to bobble managing multiple LLCs. That was the whole reason behind using this. It was just, it wasn't until I started getting into these things and started understanding the power behind these things um, did I realize that you know, it literally cost me. I think I told you guys, I have a little black and white printer back here. Um, and that's that's how much... How much? Uh, Thirteen sheets of paper and a uh, and whatever toner I use. That's how much it cost me to create one of these things. Super simple, All right? Holy cow! I've been talking for a long time. You guys, uh, you guys have to shut me up from time to time. Anybody have any questions? See, we have three, we have three viewers on here right now, and you guys are hardcore. <laughs> you guys are awesome. So guys, all right, that's going to do it. I, um, I want to wish everybody a, uh, a really uh, prosperous new year. Um, and really, I just hope that everybody can, um, can take some, take some time and, or hopefully you've done this prior to to this call, but take some time and really plan out, uh, come up with a, come up with some really lofty goals this year because, uh, I can tell you personally, um, you know, I wasn't really a, a much of a goal driven person. Really. I was just kind of, you know, you don't know what you don't know when you first get into this business. And I've said it before, but you know, the more success that you have, the easier it is to set goals. Right. I mean, it's just, uh, yeah, thanks guys. Uh, but yeah, the, the more success you have, the easier it is to set goals. Cause you know, kind of when you get started in this business, you don't really know what you don't know. You don't know what's possible. And when you start, when you start seeing and achieving these small little, these small little, um, these small little steps and you start getting more and more success, it becomes way easier to really see the finish line. And, um, that's kind of where I'm at here. And, uh, I wish the same thing for you guys. I hope that, hope that you get to, uh, really get to experience that. And, um, so set out this year, set big goals and, um, and I mean, big goals, like get big with them. That's, that's the one thing that, um, 
everyone used to tell me that I didn't really know how to, uh, I didn't really have, I couldn't conceptualize that. And, um, it wasn't until, you know, maybe the past three years that I really started to see, Hey, this is, you know, I've got to think way bigger, way bigger than what I am. You know, these little onesie twosie deals, they're fine. Um, and so it's fine. It's fine to have those, those, those small goals, but they all have to lead to something. They all have to lead to, um, a, you know, essentially for me, it was a way out. Like, you know, I've got to, I've got to build this portfolio and I want to build this portfolio. I want to be able to pick up at the drop of a hat, go anywhere in the world that I want to go. And, um, and so whenever I sit down at my desk here, that's the first thing that comes to mind. What am I doing today? How is this going to get me towards, uh, towards that goal? So that's all I got guys. Really appreciate you guys hanging out, coming on and hanging out. Um, if you have any more questions about this, what we just talked about, I know it was a, a lot to take in and I know it's a, not the most exciting material, uh, but it's necessary. I think it's totally necessary. And uh, if you guys have any questions about it, go ahead and throw it in the chat or throw it in the comment section uh, below these videos. And um, oh, here we go. Scott's got a question. He says, love hearing about that on the purchase agreement. When you first meet the seller, who do you put as the buyer? Great question. Um, knowing that the buyer may end up being the revocable trust. Yep. Good, uh, good question. All right. Uh, so initially here's what I would do, uh, especially this is a great question because of the, because of this one reason, when you tell a seller, when, when a seller sees your your trust show up as the buyer on your purchase agreement. A lot of times, not all the time, but many times they're going to go, well, well, how does that work? That's going to be their question. How do you know, what is the trust? What is the trust? How does the trust work? And I'm telling you, I have done it myself. Uh, I've seen other people do it. They try to explain this away when they don't really it's not a problem if you know what you're talking about and you can simplify the explanation into just a couple short sentences. All right. But if you get into this conversation with a seller and you don't know exactly, and you can't answer, maybe, maybe you're not comfortable with answering some of the questions. I would just, I would just put your company name that you're going to buy it in. Okay. You know, or you can even put your, your, uh, you know, your personal name doesn't really matter because it can be amended later on. But I would not get in, excuse me, I would not get into this conversation with the seller about this trust because you are going to end up talking yourself out of the deal if you don't know exactly what you're talking about, right? Should not prevent you from using a trust, right? But don't get into these, any, and even if you do know what you're talking about, it can be a lot to take in for somebody like a seller who doesn't know how this works. All right. So, and I'm telling you, I have done this. I've done this on numerous occasions. I have lost out on deals because I've tried to, you know, I've tried to be kind of, what do I want to say? Uh, Mr. Know-it-all, you know, I wanted to be able to explain all this in detail and I'm telling you, it's a mistake. Uh, there are going to be a few sellers that know what you're talking about, but 99% of them are, are not going to know what you're talking about. 
they're not going to know how you're buying these things. So what I recommend is just going to put your personal name or your, um, or your company name as the buyer. And then later on down the road, you can say, Hey, you know, Mr. And Mrs. Seller, um, I think we're, I'd like to, I'd like to have you sign this amendment. We're going to go ahead and, uh, we're going to put this in a trust and we're going to do it for estate planning purposes. You know, you can say something like that. Um, actually, John, you bring up a really good point there. It's assignable anyway, start with your company, then change at closing. Yeah, I would do that. I would definitely, um, John's got a, a great, that is a great way to handle this situation. So, um, I, I don't know that I like to, like doing much of anything at closing because people do get weird. Uh, I have had a couple closings that didn't go through, but you know, they're also, if, if you've got a seller with the right motivations and, uh, and they are a motivated seller, uh, they just want to get rid of this property and they don't really care who, who buys it. So, um, so you could do that at closing as well, if you choose. Does that answer your question, Scott? Oh, I didn't know I could show these individually. All right. All right. Anything else? Anybody have any other questions? <clears throat> Okie doke, guys. All right. Appreciate it. You guys have a good one. We'll see you next week and uh, have a great new year. Catch you guys later.